0: guys and welcome back to another episode of we believe do you a paranormal podcast i'm michelle
1: and i'm eric and today's guest is someone who reached out to us and we were more than happy to have them on to discuss some of the topics that they brought up i'm going to leave them leave it to them to explain because i don't want to mess that up um but it was something that I was reading or when I was reading these topics, I was like, hmm, this is interesting because this has come out in a couple of video games that I played. So I was kind of excited about that. So I'd love to hear hear about it. And I know Michelle's excited to hear about it, too.
0: Yeah, I I, I just real quick wanted to say that it, it's. I know this is a paranormal podcast and this is going to be kind of there is going to be paranormal don't worry guys but uh this is going to be also kind of a very ancient mysteries heavy episode which is awesome because this is still topics that I have always been very intriguing to me and I I don't feel like I am fully know enough about it basically and so yeah I'm really really glad to have our guest on today um And our guest today is Floyd Wills. Uh, If you want to introduce yourself a little further, uh, because I'm sure we will not be able to do you justice.
2: (laughs) No, no problem. First off, I want to say thank you, Eric and Michelle and your audience for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, From the time I was a young boy, I just had a fascination with like the pyramids and UFOs and uh, paranormal phenomenon. And back in the 80s, there was a show it was called In Search Of. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, and I love that show. And they had just some really cool episodes, and I was just entranced by that show. And one thing led to another, and then I started checking out books on on these types of subjects from the library when I can get my hands on them. And uh, back in the '80s, I picked up a book uh, on giants, it, and it was beautifully illustrated, and it had um, just like mythology of giants from all different cultures. And so I was kind of fascinated with that, and added that book uh, to my library. And it wasn't until later on, as an adult, um, that I really started to um, want to travel and actually see some of these places i've been to the pyramids in mexico uh, chichen itza teotihuacan i write about my experience at teotihuacan in my book and i've traveled to europe i got interested in studying uh, secret societies the knights templar the freemasons Really interested in um, out-of-place artifacts and sacred artifacts like Indiana Jones kind of stuff. I I traveled to Austria to uh, see the Spear of Destiny. That was there. I've been to Shark Cathedral, which was a Templar cathedral in France and Roslyn Chapel and just all these different places. So when I traveled, it it never failed. I always ended up at, you know, one of these sacred sites or going to look at some out of place artifact. I just had a fascination from the time I was young. And, uh, just developed over the years. And then finally I got to the point where I was like, I've been into this for such a long time. Why don't I just write a book? And I could, I could make part of the book kind of some of my travel stories and some of the, some of the artifacts that I've seen and ancient sites that I've been to.
0: Yeah. You, awesome. Even just, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, wanted to watch the uh, interviews that you have done in the past and, and see what you're about and stuff. And, um, Yeah. Like just listening to everything that you had to share was just like the hour, however long that the episodes were, like just went by super quick. And again, like I was like, I had absolutely no idea. Like I've heard about the Giants and again, we'll get into it more and whatnot. But the fact that there is articles written and, and a lot more evidence, I guess it's not as public as maybe a lot of other things are. Yes uh, and common knowledge kind of thing was, was what really kind of intrigued me a little bit more. But, um, I do want to start the episode the way that we usually do with all our guests, uh, with a very special question. And again, I'm sure it's going to leave right into these giants as well. But, uh, the question that we always ask our guests is what was your very first paranormal experience that you can remember?
2: that's a fantastic question and i'm glad i have an opportunity to share that i didn't know i was gonna be able to do that so this is really cool it was back when i was about 16 years old Um, i was with my parents i have one other sibling an older sister and we were living in apartments at at the time and we had uh, some friends of the family that were very close to us that my parents had known for years they would come over on the weekends and they would all play cards together and it was a husband and wife. Uh, his name was Tom. His wife's name was Patty, and she was a, a very tall woman, a very big boned woman, and just a um, just a sweetheart. Just had a really great sense of humor. And unfortunately, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and uh, she she didn't have much um, you know uh, time left w- when they found it. And so her husband worked. Uh, driving buses. And my, my dad, he was on disability at the time, so he was home and he talked to her husband, and said, well, why don't you just um, let Patty come over here and we can play cards and this way you won't have to put her in a care home you know while you're at work. And so he thought it was a great idea and so Patty would, would come over to the house and, and play cards with my dad. Um, well, one session, she had a seizure. Um, when they were playing cards, and she literally the, she literally passed away in our apartment. It was a very sudden thing, oh, very, man. yeah, very traumatic. Um my dad was there. Uh, uh, fortunately, I was not there, um and my sister wasn't there, nor my mom. But immediately after her passing, we began to hear knockings um all over, like on the walls, mm. and we would hear knockings at the front door and the window. And my dad, you know, he didn't really, believe in paranormal anything like that but i remember we were sitting in the living room and there was a a loud banging on the front door and and we got up and we opened the door and there was no one there and then we closed the door and we were all watching tv not long thereafter again a knocking on the front door and i remember looking at my dad's face and he was kind of a kind of an old school kind of a tough guy super quiet guy but i remember just the the look of fear on his face when that knocking started. And we went to the front door and again, there was nobody there. So this started happening uh, a number of days after she had passed away. We would hear knockings on the wall or like a little tap on the window. And of course we'd go to the window and there would be nothing there. Our next door neighbors heard about what was going on. I think my mom talked to them about it and they were an older couple. And I'm not sure if, if the 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 wife was if she was a christian or what religion she was from but she said that she would like to come over and and bless our apartment and um and she did she brought a huge bible and some holy water and showed up at our at our apartment and of course she's walking around and reading passages out of this this bible and sprinkling holy water and you know at that age I was thinking this is kind of strange and I was getting freaked out. So I took off. I'm like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'll see you later. My sister stayed. And so anyway, my sister relayed to me what happened after that. So I left and um, this lady's walking through our apartment, going to each room and sprinkling holy water, reading passages. And then my sister said all of a sudden her voice started to change and it was like, it wow. not her voice. And, and, and so she was speaking in another voice and basically she was saying, um, she was saying, this is Patty and I, I'm sorry, I scared you. I just wanted to say goodbye and I didn't have a chance to mm. say goodbye. And so she's speaking through this other lady, right? And my sister um, obviously yeah. is just blown away at this. And needless to say, after she went through this process, the knockings went away. We never heard them again. Yeah. Wow. So that was, wow. uh, well, I know
0: Eric got full body chills. So did yeah. I, when he was, he was like doing I, this, I was like, yes, I got save. chills
2: just relaying that experience. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That, that convinced uh-huh. me um, that the paranormal is very real and you know um, it's one thing to hear about it, but when you actually have an experience uh, or, you know, uh, it's a whole, it's a whole different story. Yeah. Sometimes I find it hard
1: to believe when people have experiences and still don't believe. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 That's, that's always the the wild thing. It's like, yeah, I can't explain it, but I saw a full body apparition, but I don't believe in ghosts. It's like, what (laughs) can you not? You just saw one.
2: Yeah. But uh, it's funny. I think some people just their defense mechanisms, you know, because it goes against their, their beliefs or what they think reality is. And so they kind of grapple with that and, and and sometimes try to make, excuses or, you know, just deny what they've experienced.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely feel like it's the easier thing to do. Just be like, okay, yeah, it was just my imagination, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, really thinking about. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that was my first experience. I had another experience one time uh, much later um, when I was driving to Seattle. I was living in Portland at the time and just had a feeling on the way to seattle like like a premonition like i kept thinking of car accident i was going to be involved in a car accident and of course you don't want to think those kind of things and i was just white knuckling it the whole way there and went to seattle um did did what i needed to do and was driving back to portland and i was on the freeway heading to portland and again i just had this impression you know this like little inner voice saying be careful be careful be careful and, um, just again, white knuckling it all the way back and getting ready to cross the bridge from Washington into Oregon, you know, and then I would be into, into Portland and I was starting to kind of let my guard down a little bit, like, oh, I'm almost home. And then I'm like squinting and, and, and looking ahead and I see some headlights on the freeway. Apparently someone had gotten on the freeway, uh, going the opposite direction and oh, so the, the car was coming at me and luckily i was aware enough and i w- i managed to to swerve off to the side and the the car kept going um, the opposite direction and of course i you know wow. tried to tried to get on my phone and and, and call the police but yeah Ugh. yeah
1: <laughs> sometimes you just have to listen to those gut instincts yes. <clears throat> i know i i definitely had those instances of like just being and I know what you mean like just and then driving in those conditions where you're just like really tense mm-hmm. is, is not good either no um, but this last time that we were that we came down from Houston Michelle that we were talking uh, that I talked about where I thought I had seen something on the side of the road right. uh-huh. the other thing too that was kind of weird that I don't think I mentioned was I had something similar happen to where uh, my brother-in-law had asked me the day before what time do you want to leave tomorrow or what time are you gonna leave and I said I don't know probably like later in the afternoon." Uh, but I'm not 100% sure yet. And then he goes, he said something about wanting to leave kind of earlier. And I said, well, then we can leave together so that we're driving together. And then for some reason, I was like, I was still wanting to leave a little bit later. And I kept getting this feeling of a like, like for whatever reason, it came through my head about a car accident mm-hmm. or being in a car accident or not wanting to be in a car accident. And um, getting caught like in the in, out in the road and like super late. And so we didn't leave early but we didn't leave as late as I would have left mm-hmm. so we kind of like met in the, middle. in the middle Yeah and we ended up leaving and before we were like really into the, into the trip like we were barely I think maybe 40 minutes in mm-hmm. and we ended up getting stopped in the highway because there was a huge accident um Oh my goodness It was it was only yeah two vehicles involved but they had to like they brought a Check helicopter in to yeah to oh, get okay. everybody yeah. out or to get the people, you know, out of there. So I don't know, like it came in my mind and I thought it was, it's just me. I've, I've done this before mm-hmm. to where I, I think bad thoughts and then that bad thing ends up happening. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to stop.
2: Yeah. And then sometimes that.
1: you just got to listen. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So just-
0: and and moments like that are interesting to me because I, especially for like for people who maybe don't believe in like a guardian angels or like mm-hmm. afterlife or, you know, past loved ones. I, I am all about like, you know, us as humans, we have that gut instinct and that intuition, but like, I feel like that's something that's in the Beyond. future. Like how are, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like a, like, Oh, something feels off right now. Yes. It's like something feels off, but it's going to happen hours, yeah. you know, later. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you, is that your own intuition or is that some, something else whether it's a guardian angel or like a loved one whatever it may be like what is that information that you're getting that's going to happen the premonition basically essentially um that's what is like so intriguing to me it's intriguing
2: and you'll get different answers depending upon who you ask and what their belief systems are (laughs) like for like for me when i was that incident on the freeway to me that was my guardian angel that was like the holy spirit like warning me that this was going to happen but for someone else it might represent something different yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah but I, I, I definitely the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: definitely understand what you mean, Michelle. Because like, you can be in in a situation like if you're in a like uh, I don't know in a bad area or something like that, and you're getting like a yeah. gut feeling like something is going to happen. It's like, well, yeah, it's because you're not in a good situation. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: But like, like in these two cases, like we're we're talking about you you have you're getting this feeling about the highway, and and then it ends up happening. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, it's the same thing because you're you're on the highway. So, obviously, people start thinking about that. But then when it actually ends up happening, it's kind of like, I don't know, man. Because you, you don't validation. always get that feeling of, huh?
0: It's like validation. Yeah. You don't yeah. always get that feeling. Mm-hmm. You drive every on the day. Highway. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You drive every day. Yeah. So, for it to be like, no, but something today feels off or, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just weird. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah it's it's amazing. There was uh, another s- a situation that I recall where it was a time in my life my after my mom had passed away. I was very close to her, and I was you know trying to figure out what to do with my life, whether I wanted to go back to school. Um, and I was just kind of at a crossroads as to what to do. And I I took on my lunch hour, I, I left the office and there was a shopping mall near near my office. And in that shopping mall, they had a bookstore in there. And I, I just love books. I have books everywhere, like a library at my house. And I just love to, I'm an avid reader. And I just had this uh, feeling, you know, go, go to the bookstore today, go to the bookstore. And I don't know why, but I was like, okay, I'll go to the bookstore. So I go in the bookstore and I have this feeling like there's something here that um, you need to find and and i just had this feeling and i and i i was like okay this is weird like i don't even there's not even like a book that i'm interested in right now but this kind of internal feeling saying there's something here and you need to find it so i'm i'm going through the books i think actually i went to uh i don't know if it was like the personal development section um psychology section and i'm so i'm kind of scouring the book the bookshelf um metaphysical section And it's weird because it's like, I felt compelled, like I'm looking for something and I have no idea what I'm looking for. And I'm taking books out of the, the, the bookshelf and I would just look at them and I would stick it back in. And, and, and I, and I'm like, almost thinking like, what am I doing? Like, this is just weird. And finally I pull, I pull a, I pull a book out and I'm getting ready to put it back in the, in the shelf. And I see that there's something in the book. There's like a a piece of paper sticking out of the book. And so I pull the book back out and I take the paper out and it's a, it's a folded piece of paper. It was folded over a dollar bill. And it, and it says, and it had a handwritten note on there. And it said, um, it said, you are ready. You are worthy. And now is the time to begin. Right. And, and it was folded around a dollar bill and, And to me, that finding that was that little message was an answer to the the question that I had been pondering. And so I thought, this is bizarre because I came in here, had no idea what I was doing, compelled to find something. And I find this little message in a book. And so now I'm going crazy. So now I'm like, okay. Someone put a whole bunch of these things in here. So I'm grabbing books and I'm flipping them open and turning them upside down to shake it to see if there's any more of these things. And there is not. That was the only piece of paper that was in that book. And so to me, that was that was an answer to a question. And that came beyond my understanding and that set me off a whole direction in my life. Now, some people might look at that guy and go, he's a nut, you know, if I, he, on a piece of paper, you know, a little message, almost like a fortune cookie kind of thing. But in my in my heart and in my spirit, I knew that that message, it was there and it, it was put there and it was for me. It wasn't for anybody yeah. else. That was for me. Wow. See, it's,
0: That's yeah, amazing. And, and it's like those personal moments like that, where it's like, okay, I I could see a ladybug and that might mean something very special. And someone's like, it's a ladybug. Like, no, you don't understand though. Like I needed a sign. Like that was a sign. Like you got your sign. Like, ah, that's, and I assume that is kind of what led you into the book that you wrote and all those topics, or is that something completely different? It's
2: actually, um, I, I, it's all kind of connected I think Uh, the way I look at things is I, I as I see how things connect. Like even in my studies on some of these things, like the Knights Templar and Freemasonry and the ancient civilizations, and now this book that I came out with has a lot to do with the Nephilim and the giants. And you know, originally I thought these are just different subjects; these are esoteric subjects, two different parts. But actually, the more I the more I learn, the more I study, I see how it is actually all connected. So everything is connected. Like, in, like when I went back to school, I made a decision to go back to college from that little, that little message. And I didn't know that I had the ability to, to, to be a writer. And I didn't discover that until I went back to school and had to do all this research and writing. And finally I was like, wow, I'm writing all these papers. I kind of like this stuff. And some of my professors are like, yeah, you've got some skill in this. So it was the fact that I went back to school that I learned that I had this, this skill. And then I was able to ultimately, um, you know, put my experiences in a book form. So everything, it is all, it is all interconnected.
0: Connected Mm -hmm. for sure. And that's the best part where it just like seems to fall into place. And it's like, or like you're, you're guided to go to to, to the bookstore and guided to that book. And then just everything. Yeah keeps going. It's laid out in front of you kind of thing and you're just discovering the pieces, I feel like,
2: sometimes. Very eloquently said. And and I like how you said guided, because even once I started writing my book, I got to a point where I felt like I was being guided when I when I when I was researching different things and put how it was all coming together. It was like it's like I am being guided to to put this all how everything's coming together. All these pieces are starting to come together. So the book started to almost write itself. It got to a point where it started to write itself, I felt.
0: So then, so what was the, the start of the, okay, this is what I'm going to write about, or, or even got you into the topic of, of the, the red-haired giants? Red-haired
2: giants. So that, again, that goes back to when I was a kid, I just had interest in a, a variety of different things, giants being one of them. And it wasn't until about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, I heard a researcher, his name is Jim Vieira, and he does a lot of research on uh, giant uh, skeleton discoveries, like anomalous archaeological discoveries. And I saw a presentation that he did, and I was captivated because he would refer to a lot of these newspaper articles of these discoveries being made. And he put his focus particularly in uh, North America. Of course, they've been found all over the world. But he, he focused on North America, and I was amazed at all the uh, articles that he came up with that he was referencing, and I thought, that is astounding. I'm going to go look at it myself, and I'm going to go online, and I'm going to see if these things are, are really out there. So I put together a folder, and I just kept pulling up all these articles of just these anomalous uh, discoveries of skeletons ranging seven feet tall, eight feet tall, nine feet tall. Some of them had double rows of teeth two, two sets of teeth in the, in the upper jaw, some of them had six digits on their, on their hands and just some very strange discoveries. And what I noticed is a common theme when I was going through these articles that if it referenced some type of museum or the Smithsonian institution, they say, oh, they're going to, they're going to examine the bones and then, you know, they'll be put in a museum or, or, or whatnot, but then they never were. It's like they disappeared. Mm-hmm. A lot of these um, anomalous discoveries, they they were they they were gone. The, the public never never saw them at that point. And so the more articles I started to collect, I just thought, wow, maybe there's something to this. Like I can get like, yeah, I'm sure there might have been some misidentification of skeletal remains, and yeah, maybe there was a couple of hoaxes. But uh, I, there was too, ma- too many of them, too many articles, and there were little subtle things that really reinforced that this is uh, consistent. Like, for example, they would reference sometimes double rows of teeth in the upper jaw, they would be very specific or they would have like protruding brow ridge or massive jaw bones. So I saw these little subtle things that would connect from one article to the other. And mind you, this was long before like the internet or anything like that, where it would be really easy to, um, you know, to, to to create a hoax with photo Photoshop. This was before all of that. And um, one story in particular captivated me, and that was the, the, the discovery at Lovelock Cave in Nevada about the red-haired giants. Now, in that area of Nevada, the northern Paiute tribes, they, in their oral tradition, they spoke of a race of red-haired giants that were very violent and they were cannibalistic. They attacked the other uh, tribes and they, they ate their victims. And finally, the Paiutes united with some of the other local tribes, and they waged war on these giants, which lasted three years. And finally, they cornered the the remainder of the giants in Lovelock Cave. They threw a brush in front of the cave, they lit flaming arrows, and they gave the giants an ultimatum. They said, why don't you stop doing what you're doing? And why don't you live like men? instead of beasts, why don't you live like men? And the giants didn't respond. And so they shot the flaming arrows and, and burnt the giants to death. And what fascinated me about that particular story was that there were um, a lot of artifacts that came out of the cave, over 10,000 artifacts came out of that cave. And there were large skeletons, large mummies that came out of the cave. Most of those disappeared. Like in a lot of the other articles, they they disappeared. Uh, The public never saw them. However, some of those skulls that were either found in Lovelock Cave or in that vicinity, they ended up in a small museum called Humboldt Museum. And what was interesting about this is these skulls were kept in the basement. They weren't put on public display. And you had to ask to actually even view the skulls. And these were very, very uh, unusual skulls. Now, they're no longer there. I tried to uh, go to the museum and view these skulls, but the curator told me, no, they were repatriated back to the Native American tribes. Um, But they were there for decades and decades. And so I do have photographs of these skulls. And ironically, there's a massive skull in there, and it has almost like a double row of Of teeth in the upper jaw. And I I keep going back to the double rows of teeth. This goes all the way back to the Bible. In the Bible, there's actually reference of a giant. In the Bible, of course, we've all heard of, of, you know, David and Goliath, but there are other giants Mm -hmm. that are mentioned in the Bible. And one in particular, David and his mighty men were fighting these giants. And some believe that these were the brothers of Goliath. And one of them, uh, it specifically references, said they have a double row of teeth. And it has six digits on each hand and six digits on each foot.
0: It's like check, check, and check. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Yeah. But but why keep it from the public? I guess that, that's my biggest question. That doesn't – so what? There's giants. Like why is it so, – you know what I mean? so secret. I don't it's understand like why they wouldn't – dinosaurs existed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like why share dinosaurs but not
2: – Yeah.
0: Or do you have any insight into that? Yes.
2: Sorry. Yeah. And, you know – you ask different people, and they'll they'll, they'll tell you different things. Um, I th- I believe my personal opinion with with the giants is the reason why um, these have been kept hidden from the public. I think there are other not only not only giants, but I think there are other uh, archaeological artifacts that were found in North America of pre Columbian origin uh, from from travelers from from all over the ancient. I believe the ancient Phoenicians came here, possibly the Egyptians. Um, There were um, Celtic explorers that came here. Um, So not only were there giant skeletons, but there are these other artifacts that would kind of change the change our history. It would it would kind of change the timeline, and you know I think um, with these big institutions, and I and I get into it in my book, particularly the Smithsonian Institution, which was founded in the um, in the 1800s, the mid 1800s, they had a doctrine. It was called the Powell Doctrine, and they they basically said if there are any uh, skeletal remains or any artifacts that are that are found here that there's automatically they cannot come from an advanced culture other than native americans there's no you know there's no possibility that they can come from anywhere else and so they from the early on that that's how they trained that's how they trained the archaeologists Mm -hmm. to say okay this is one way of looking at it and if it doesn't fit in our paradigm then it's it's got to be fake it's got to be planted um it's got to be discredited. So I think it has to do with knowledge filtration. And again, if it doesn't fit in, if it doesn't fit in the box, then it's just, you know, it's swept aside. And also I also have a belief as well that a lot of the main like mainstream archaeology and science, they don't they don't like it when archaeological discoveries back up some ancient uh, ancient texts, for example, say the Bible and other ancient texts that would um, give those any kind of credibility. Um, so they would just say, no, that's, that can't be.
0: Yeah. Real. Can't, <laughs> We're going to pretend it's not yeah, real. It
2: can't be, it can't be real. And, and a lot of people don't realize that the Smithsonian institution is one of the largest, um, they have one of the largest museums in the world. They have mul- multiple locations and they have millions of artifacts and, and probably, you know, hundreds of thousands, or millions of skeletal remains, and yet only a very small percentage of what they have is actually ever shown to the public. Only a little little fraction of that. It's a matrix. And I think this came out of the book 1984. It said, if you control the past, you control the future. And if you control Mm -hmm. the present, you control the past. So it's all a matter of controlling that narrative. And I mean, we see a lot of things happening now in our society with almost like history being trying to be uh, you know, uh, rewritten and you know, statues being pulled down, there's censorship going on. So there's so a lot of things happening in our society where a lot of people believe like, hey, you're trying to, you're trying to change history or you're trying to rewrite history right now. So I think it's something that's, that's, ha- that's happened for a long, long time. In many different cultures,
0: mm-hmm. so these giants are like—is there an origin story to them? Whether it was—I mean, I know there's a nephilim, yes, um, which are like more of an angelic situation. Were, were these giants kind of the same thing, or like what? what was their origin? That's a, great, guess, question.
2: That's a great question. Great um, question. And in my book, I kind of I I go into the nephilim. Uh, theory and then i go into the other theory is you know are these just another hominid species are they part of our our family tree so i kind of cover both i definitely don't don't come out and say well this is what they were you know this this is definite because no one knows no one knows all i do is try to put out evidence and you know for people to look at and they can make their own conclusion. But if you're, so let's talk about the the Nephilim. Nephilim is a Proto-Hebrew word, a very ancient word meaning fallen ones. And the story of the Nephilim is actually in in the Bible in Genesis six, but it's, it's just a really brief passage. And it says, I'll paraphrase it. It says, there were giants in the earth in those days and thereafter when the sons of God came into the daughters of men they bore them children, and they became mighty men, men of renown. Right, that's a very famous passage out of the Bible. And so, there's from the early days, are scholars on both sides that said, okay, sons of God, who were the sons of God? Are the sons of God the sons of the sons of Seth in the Bible, or are the sons of God an- angelic beings? And so I believe that they are the angelic beings. And there's a book that's left out of the Bible. It's called the Book of Enoch. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know how familiar you are with that that ancient text.
0: Not very familiar I've at heard all. But of it, it, yeah, yes. Just, and I almost feel like it's just like in a like. I feel like a lot of this comes out in like supernatural, and I'm sorry to compare it to, but I feel like that's like the base like very minimum idea of like what I have of some of these topics. So I, I, I know it sounds super ignorant, no, but that's just literally no, all I have. No, not,
2: no, not, at, not at all. And the, the book of the book of Enoch, you know, it's a very ancient text. It was left out of the canonized version of the books of the Bible. So you won't, you won't see it like in the new Kings James or version or new international version. It, it never made it in there. There was other books too that were left out, but that the book of Enoch basically goes into the whole backstory of genesis six and it really gets into the story and it basically said there was a group of 200 they called them the watchers and i believe they were they were angelic beings that were you know they were to protect us and to kind of watch over us and you know kind of check in on the on the human race and this group of watchers they found that the women of the earth were fair and they made a pact with each other. And they actually came down in it, actually to a mountain. It's called Mount Hermon, which means Mount of Desolation. That's in Syria. And they came down to the earth and they interbred with the women. And not only did they impregnate the women, but they shared uh, forbidden knowledge with uh, humankind. The arts of war, uh, astronomy, um, just all these different uh, astrology, all these different arts that at that particular time God didn't want us to have, because he he probably thought they're not ready, not ready for all this information. But these watchers jumped the gun, and they impregnated human women, and the women uh, bore these giants. They were, and those were called the Nephilim. And the Nephilim started destroying everything. They started fighting amongst themselves. They started uh, destroying the earth. I believe there was even genetic manipulation going on, because in the ancient text, it said they were corrupting, they were also corrupting the plant life and animal life, which I thought, wow, this is really weird. And that, that to me, that sounds like it's almost like a a genetic, uh, some type of genetic manipulation. And they were also drinking Mm -hmm. blood. And some people believe that the Nephilim, the story of the Nephilim are the, basically the story of the first vampires because they were Mm -hmm. drinking blood. And obviously God wasn't pleased at this. And the giants tried to get Enoch, who is a great was a great grandfather of Noah. He was a very, um, very uh, righteous man, and to get him to communicate with God, like, "Hey, forgive us for this terrible sin that we've done, and 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 have mercy on us." And so, in the book of Enoch, it's Enoch's being taken up to the heavenly realms. And when you're reading through this stuff, it's like, "Wow, this almost sounds like." Some kind of abduction experience, you know, just wild. You know, if you go through and read that book, it's very fascinating. And needless to say, you know, uh, God showed no mercy on them. He said what they did was, you know, unforgivable, and that's why He brought the great flood on the earth. It was to kill the, the Nephilim because they had corrupted the, the bloodline of humanity, and so it killed off most of the giants. But there were some giants that that that, that survived. And that's why in Genesis 6, you, you hear it a little bit when it says there were giants on the earth in those days and thereafter. And I think, and thereafter, meaning that there were some giants that survived after the flood. And for example, like Goliath in the Bible, he was of the giant, he was of that bloodline. So that the bloodline had thinned down quite a bit by the time it got to Goliath, but he was of the bloodline of these, of these giants. Mm-hmm.
1: it also sounds like a very similar as far as the you know the the beings that came down um like prometheus the way he came down and started sharing all these things with um the humans yes. and, and zeus being upset with him and, and causing stuff like that and, and then the other thing that it reminded me of i i want to remember i i but i think i'm wrong but the gregory
2: yeah the gregory
1: yeah Grigori, giant yeah, yeah. gregory Yeah. So that was, I think they were uh, three that we talked
0: about that, right? (laughs) It might've
1: been. Yeah. It was one of the very early episodes, but I remember, so you're, you're explaining this, right. And that just sounds very similar because from what I understand or what we were reading about them is they also became infatuated with humans and like came down and uh, essentially became like fallen angels because again they came down and they started uh, they fell in love with humans and they started to you know mix their blood with um or you know mix with with humans and stuff like that so it sound all that sounds very similar and then as far as the uh, Nephilim I believe in like the Viking or like um what is it uh
0: Norse it, mythology?
1: Norse mythology yeah it's like one of the lower um one of the like it's above hell it's between hell and 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 earth i guess Mm uh so it's one of the realms between like almost like a purgatory type area it's so yeah i mean everything you're talking about, like, like I'm kind of associating with different things that I've heard or know about.
2: Eric, that's such a great connection. You're making great connections because I think a lot of these stories may, you know, may be connected and they may be in that origin story of the, of the Nephilim. I, I really do think there's connections. I'm not sure if you've heard the term Anunnaki. The, it's
0: another one of those okay. that, like, yes, yeah, but yeah, the, I think from supernatural. Yeah, yeah. So the
2: Anunnaki <laughs> are the the gods of the ancient Sumerians, which like go back like five thousand years ago, and the Sumerians in their in their culture they have records they would keep them on these clay tablets, and they were so ingenious they would they would take these me- metal cylinder seals and they would have all their symbols and their writing, and they would take these wet these wet clay tablets and they would roll these cylinders. On the clay tablets, and it would pr- imprint that. so there, so there's probably hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these tablets that are over five thousand years old that that are undeciphered. There's still so many of these that we you know we have not deciphered. but um, archaeologists, you know, from early on, they were looking at the records and they they basically said that the Sumerians said that the Anunnaki were these giants, these giant superhuman beings that were they considered them gods that they came down to this earth and they gave the sumerians everything they taught them astronomy they taught them how to build those big step pyramids called the ziggurats they gave them their laws they they taught them about agriculture and so their whole civilization just almost seemingly sprang out of nowhere it was because they got this jump start from these Anunnaki, which, in my my belief, could very well have been another name for the Nephilim. Hmm.
0: And do you, because you know, you, you kind of talked about how it, uh, the Book of Enoch, it almost sounded like an abduction mm-hmm. experience kind of thing. Do do you think there's a connection there with aliens and alien abductions, and with some of these stories that you know with the with the giants and sharing their knowledge and everything, or do you think it's two separate things? What do you think? That's that's a (laughs) yeah
2: a fantastic a fantastic question. Um, You know when you get into and you talk about say for example like angels and demons and you talk about you know ETS. But when you think about it, if I mean if you want to get technical, I mean is an angelic being? Are they from the earth? Is is a demon probably from the earth? Probably not. Most people would say no. And if they're not from the earth then technically what what would that be
1: extraterrestrial extraterrestrial.
2: so i think it just matters on like who you're asking that the question to you know where where someone might say that's an angel or or that's a demon another person might say well that's that's an an extra an extraterrestrial being so that's a great question about you know the, the modern abduction experience i actually met travis walton uh, I'm, mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He There was a famous abduction uh, case with him. He was abducted for days. I think it was in Oregon. This was back probably in the 80s, I believe. And allegedly he was taken up in a, in a spacecraft. There was a, a movie made uh, about his experience called Fire in the Sky. Did you ever see that?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not see yeah. it. But yes, I do you know. Fire in the Sky, the, the very
2: intense movie. I think that came out in the 90s. But I had a, a chance to uh, talk to him about his abduction experience and and he seemed like he was a very down-to-earth type of person you know like when he was talking to me relaying his experience like i didn't get any vibe like oh he's just making this up he seems like a pretty sincere guy and and i just briefly remember uh, what he told me he remembered he was laying on like an operating table and he became conscious and he saw these beings hovering over him uh which would be described as i guess gray aliens you know the ones with the big heads and the big eyes and the little spindly bodies he said he was surrounded by some of those but then he got up and i think he was i don't know grabbing some instruments that were there and he was throwing them you know at these beings you know try as a defensive mechanism and he said he was trying to navigate through this craft and he actually not only saw some grays but he saw i believe what what he said um, human looking so um, like maybe some human looking beings I just thought that was I thought that was interesting so yeah I mean the the modern abduction um, experiences you know part of me part of me thinks that some of them are real like they're real e- extraterrestrial beings that are maybe studying us just like we would have one of our scientists go out in the woods you know and and tag an animal wild animal. Um, also with that though, I, I'm also becoming more leery too. And I wonder like, has our government been involved with some of this, with some of their psychological, um, you know, uh, mind manipulation, if they orchestrated some events like this and, and actually, um, you know, uh, captured people against their will, their will, and then made it seem like it was an alien exp- experience. You know, I mean, obviously our government, our CIA was involved with MK ultra mind control program. I don't know if you know anything about that, that, that was discovered in the uh, late seventies, but our, our central intelligence agency was doing all kinds of mind control experiments on our own citizens, obviously against their own will.
0: Yeah, I I had Definitely heard or have heard of abduction experiences where they claim to have seen humans with like what seems like military badges or military mm-hmm. uniforms like they are humans with aliens so it's like is, is that the government and is someone just like in a suit pretending to be an alien yeah. so and then everyone's kind of observing from far away sort of thing, but I, yeah. Or it's, is
1: it aliens trying to make the people think that <laughs> it's go. not it's out of the, the ordinary.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then you hear all these crazy anyway. stories of like the cattle mutilations, those have been going on since mm. probably the, the 60s, 70s. And, and some of these, you mm-hmm. know, cattle with their, you know, um, different vital organs removed from their body. Like it's like surgically, you know, yeah. just some really, mm-hmm. really strange, strange things that I have, no answer for.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, um, one thing that I, the whole time that you have been talking about the the giants and like the the wars that were fought with them and everything, and I'm not trying to be like offensive at all, but do you think that, I don't know how you feel about Bigfoot, but do you think that that would kind of be kind of linked to if like there was there were these giants if they're finding these skeletons that were seven, eight, nine feet tall, yes. like that. I mean fantastic the protruding, question. you know, bro. Yes,
2: fantastic question. <laughs> and no, I I think that I, I believe in, in, in Bigfoot. I, I believe that Bigfoot is real. I think that there are so many people that have had experiences and in I think most Native American tribes, they have a different different names for the the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch or or whatever they call them. And and here's something that's very interesting um, that I think we could actually tie some of this back to even archaeological evidence. Um, in my book, I talk about a discovery that was made in San Diego back in the 90s. Um, they were doing uh, road uh, construction and the construction workers unearthed mastodon bones, these giant mastodon mm-hmm. bones. What was interesting about this is next to the mastodon bones they were broken up and they found these stone cobbles these were like made by a by a human you know some type of human being made these these uh these stone tools to break open the bones of the mammoth to suck the marrow out and they noticed that the marrow had been sucked out of the bones well here's the kicker they dated the bones back about 130,000 years ago and so this was in San Diego. So we're told that the yeah. first peoples came over here maybe what, 12,000, 13,000 years ago, migrated into, into North America here. Well, at this uh, archaeological site, those stone tools were man made. And they were next to, they had actually been used to crack open the bones of um, this, this mammoth, which had probably uh, recently died when the bones were cracked open. And and so we have a question. We had hominid species here, probably going back at least one hundred and thirty thousand years ago, long before what the archaeologists and the historians tell us. And in fact, at that particular site, the um, paleontologists and archaeologists that were working on that site they said we have this provides conclusive proof that there was other hominid species that were coming into North America. Going back maybe 130,000 years ago, and they said they could have been, uh, they could have been Neanderthal. They could have been Denisovan. Have you heard of the Denisovans? Okay, okay I talk about that yeah. in my book. The, the, the Denisovans—I Denis, Denis, uh, can't pronounce it. Denisovans. There I go, got it out. Um, they were—they <laughs> were found in Siberia in 2010 at a at a cave, Denisova Cave, and so the first bone fragments that were found. Uh, one was a tooth, and it was so large that um, the archaeologists that found it and it initially thought it was a cave bear. It was so big. But then they did DNA testing on this thing. They also found a knuckle bone that was huge. And with the DNA testing they, they did, they found out this is another uh, hominid species, right? So we know about the Neanderthals, and we're told that they're our closest, uh, closest relatives. And in fact, um, they died out about 30,000 years ago. And many people believe, many um, archaeologists believe that they weren't so much killed off that they were they interbred with our ancestors. And so many of us, in fact, vast majority of us will have some Neanderthal DNA in us. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. And so with the Denisovans, they discovered this is a whole other species. And uh, what was interesting about this is they recently found a skull a full skull a uh, Denisovan skull in China they call it homo longi which means dragon man skull in fact i have a i have a replica of it the one found in china right here and it's a it's a it's a massive massive skull very big it's a football football yeah. shaped skull yeah. right and there's an interesting story behind the behind this skull um, a, a Chinese worker found it back in the 30s. And at that particular time, the, the Japanese had occupied that area of China. And so when he uncovered the skull, he actually hid it in a well. He hid it in a well, and then he was on his deathbed. And this has been fairly recently. So he was on his deathbed, and he revealed to his children, he said, look, I found this skull all these years ago. It's, this is where you need to go find it. It's in, it's in the well. So he literally you know on his deathbed, revealed where it was at his His children went and recovered the skull, and then they turned it over to the to the local museum and then of course, they're doing DNA testing on it and they said, this is a Denisovan skull, and some researchers believe that the De- denisovans, maybe their average height could have been up to seven and a half feet tall
0: and even the shape of that skull i mean I, I know that our viewers can't see it, but it looks like picture our skull more like rounded. this one's i mean definitely more elongated it's, like did i see that yeah, correctly or? you saw it yeah. you
2: saw it correctly yes it's kind okay. of it's a it's a football almost kind of like a, yeah. like a football shape now when you talk about elongated yeah. skulls i also get into that in my book as well with the elongated skulls of peru and so we have that that's an elongated yeah 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 yes (laughs) so this skull it's a cone it's a cone head it it comes out of paracas now this is just a a casting of the of the real thing this isn't the real thing but this is a a direct casting out of one of the the skulls there and the interesting thing about uh, some of the elongated skulls in peru is that um, some of them are not artificially created now we know about cradle boarding you know Some of these cultures, when they're a baby, they would put a board on the back of their head and they would tie ropes around it. And so the skull would conform to that and it would elongate it out. Well, some of these skulls, like this one in particular, have a different number of plates in the head and it's missing in in the back of the skull what's called the sagittal suture. Which it means bow and arrow. it's kind of it's kind of curved like a bow, and there's a line going up through it that looks like a notched arrow. Some of these skulls are missing that completely. So even if they were artificially elongated, they should still have the sagittal suture. So what this shows is mm-hmm. that some of these skulls were natural. They weren't they weren't cradle boarded.
0: Wow, what? <laughs> yeah, not this is like. Yeah rabbit hole, like just dive deep into di- that rabbit di- hole kind of stuff. I can yeah dive deep.
2: <laughs> and some of them also had holes in the back, two holes in the back of their skulls. And there is no reason uh, for those skull, those holes to be there. But some doctors that have gone over there, examine the skulls and they say, wait a minute, this is an evolutionary process with these holes being in the back of the skull because it would help the blood flow in the head because their skulls were so mm-hmm. big that with those holes being where they were at it would help with the blood flow to circulate in the head so we're, we're talking about another i believe another species mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then so guys oh, yeah, think
1: xenomorph but not as long xenomorphs are the aliens from aliens
2: yes okay. that's an okay, bi- like, excellent <laughs> example excellent example mm-hmm. so i have another that's skull crazy. here this is um uh, the florist hobbit and this these are and i get into my book on the little people and when I was when I was um, doing my research into giants, I came across reports, uh, articles of little skeleton discoveries in North America. Now, this little little skeleton here, this little skull, came out of uh, uh, a cave in Indonesia, and this was found um, in the early 2000s. And they found uh, tools. They found weapons and at first archaeologists couldn't believe it they're like uh, well th- these are like little people they're like little over 3 feet tall but yet their teeth show that they they're like an adult so they thought well maybe they have a disease or a disorder something like microcephaly you know something that would make them small but after doing all the testing, they determined that that no, these are these were a race of people. They were not much taller than three feet tall, and they they had brains smaller than chimpanzees. But yet they were intelligent enough to make tools, to make fire, um, to um, they were even hunting komodo dragons on the islands.
0: Hmm. So maybe like using more percentage of their brain compared to like how we only use ten percent kind of thing. Yes. If- they smaller. I mean, that I, I, don't know. I'm sure maybe there's other reasons, but that's what makes the most <laughs> sense to me.
2: Yes, that there, there's a, a you know, that we're finding out so much more about our, our history. I think it was Graham Hancock yeah. says that, you know, the more the, the, the more stuff we're digging up, the older and older things are, are getting. And another quote that he said is that, um, the more we look back at our ancient history, the more it looks like a fairy tale. For, for compared to what we've been told to me it's starting to look more and more like lord of the rings actually
0: <laughs> a little yeah i can te- I think, definitely I see think that
2: Tolkien was onto yeah. something giants we, we've, and hobbits yes.
0: yeah i mean we we've definitely had that conversation before like where where do like these ideas come from i mean a lot of the time stuff that was like fantasy comes from some sort of reality right yes. so um but then yeah like these these authors are or you know movie directors and stuff like that were like i'm thinking like star wars star trek kind of thing it's like it's i don't know like where are they, they getting these ideas it's like oh it just popped into my head it's like are the our ideas just kind of like floating around waiting to be absorbed and then like told because it happened and it, we I don't, I don't know i have this whole I, eric and i have had this conversation and right now it just sounds like a bunch of gibberish but um i don't know it definitely feels like. There is some reality in this fantasy uh, that, or what we see as fantasy these days. I think I you're onto
2: something. Yes, I mean you look at yeah. all these cultures throughout the world, and they they talk about giants. They talk about uh, little people. And I believe where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think behind the myths and the legends, there's o- usually always like a kernel of truth. That had to there had to be some truth in that. Now it may have been embellished, you know, over time. But usually there's there's some truth to that. And getting back to the to the giants, especially the um, the red haired giants of Lovelock Cave. So the skeletons that came out of there, they disappeared. And like I said, there were some of the skulls did end up in a small museum you had to ask to see them. Now they're gone. So in my book, I have some photographs of these uh, giant skulls that you, you know that you can look at. Um, one researcher, M.K. Um, Davis and Don Monroe, they've been studying the red-haired giants for a long time, and they provided me with some good photographs that go back probably 40 or 50 years at that museum. Um, but there are still artifacts that you can see that did come out of the cave. And one uh, one artifact that came out was a, a sandal, and it was made from tule, which is a, like a water plant. And it measured um, – it was so large that if you translate that sa- that sandal size, that fragment, into a shoe size, that it would be a, a shoe size of 29. Golly. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big foot.
0: That's, a big foot. Yeah. And getting
2: back, really? you're talking about – yeah, like the, the Sasquatch yeah. and the Bigfoot – I, I think that um, I think that I really think that some of these er, these other hominid species came into North America at a much earlier time, uh, prior to prior to a lot of the the native peoples that came in, and that's why their legends. Oh, a lot of them say there were th- our ancestors said there were giants here in the land when we came here, and I think there mm-hmm. are some of those remnants of maybe the Bigfoot, uh, maybe um, some of these, um, you know, uh, Denisovans they could have been in North America, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, this and and this. I was kind of, not actually, but afraid of of this, of you coming on, because I'm like, now I'm going to have to go down another rabbit hole, because it's all super interesting. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we have people like come on and like that, that have actually like done all the, the, put all the time and effort into these topics. And like, I get just a taste of it. And I'm like, okay, now I gotta, now I gotta go spend Five hours on my laptop trying to – because I want to see these these bones and these skeletons now, these giants, because I've – yeah, I guess only ever heard it as lore. I didn't think that there is actually proof of it. There, there of is. It's hard to
2: come space. by photographs, and that's why what captivated yeah. me about the Lovelock story is that there are not only – not only some pictures of the skeletons, the, 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 the skulls, but of some artifacts that came out of there. Another item that came out of there was a, a giant pestle, you know, those giant stones like mm-hmm. the grinding stones. Well, one was found yeah. in that area that weighed about 35 to 45 pounds, and it was enormous. It was much bigger. Even one of the archaeologists that I was communicating with at the time, he said, this is much larger than is normal. And they found that right near right near the cave.
0: Perfect size for a giant. Perfect
2: size for a giant. Too, <laughs> yeah.
0: Too big for us, but perfect size for a giant.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I get into the, you know, kind of the whole side, like we got we got into on that kind of aspect of the discussion about, you know, are these just another a species of us? Are they in our family tree? Well, now they've discovered the Denisovans and they've actually discovered DNA of Denisovans in some people. And it's much, much more rarer than Neanderthal DNA. But what this shows is that these hominid species were all interbreeding with each other. Because supposedly our ancestors came out of Africa 60,000 years ago. And by the time our ancestors came out, the Neanderthal were already in Eurasia. And, and, the, and the Denisophans were already in Eurasia. So what, it, what it's showing us is that all these different species, they were interbreeding with each other intermixing their dna Mm -hmm. so who knows what kind of hybrids can come come out of that and there there are probably other hominid species that we are undiscovered yet that we don't know and again now we go into the line of sasquatch bigfoot is that another is that another line that that died off
0: Mm -hmm. well and and, i mean i know that they've even talked about bigfoot having supernatural like Powers—I don't want to say powers, but abilities. Maybe I guess uh, is a better word. That, um, and you know, you're talking about like uh, whether it's ETs or fallen angels mixing with humans. Like, yes. why would they not have some sort of superhuman?
2: That's a good point.
0: Power, or you know, strength, or whatever it may be. Stealth. Yes, <laughs> since we can't seem to find them. <laughs> but yeah, that's a
2: very good point. And 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 so the the biblical giants. So. Some people go, okay, if you're, if you're going on along the line of Nephilim, well, how did, if you're saying that some of these giant skeletons are Nephilim, how, how on earth did they get from like the Middle East? How did they get over here to North America? And there are some different theories on that. In the Bible, it mentions a number of different tribes of giants uh, one of those tribes were called the Amorites, and they were mentioned f- quite frequently in the Bible. And, they, and the, the Bible says the Amorites were as tall as cedars. They were very tall, uh, large people. And, and basically it said that they were the descendant of the giants. So they were of that, of that bloodline. And the Amorites, they were, um, they were miners. They were sailors and they were miners. And so they, they, would, they would sail out to distant lands and they would mine copper. They would uh, take uh, copper and tin, and then of course they would they would make bronze. And so it was like during the period of the Bronze Age, and they would make weapons, they would make armor, and and so they traveled. They they left their area, and some say they were driven out from their area, but they went to places like England and they mined copper over there. And other researchers say, in addition to. To Europe, they actually came to North America, and there is an area in in North America, the the Great the Great Lakes area, and there's an, an ancient copper mine there where there's all this copper, and they can't archaeologists can't figure it out, like tons and tons and tons and tons of this ancient copper mine that are that's gone, and they can't figure out, it's like we don't know who took all this out of there, you know, we don't, I, we know that the Native Americans they. They did work a little bit with copper, but the, the large amounts of copper that came out of that ancient, those ancient mines, they can't figure out like, you know, where, who came and who took it out? Where did it go? And some researchers believe yeah. that it was this, this group, the Amorites came to North America and some of the Amorites were, were large people. They were like giants because they were of that bloodline and they actually, uh, some of them stayed in North America and intermixed with the Native American tribes.
0: I mean, that, that would explain why just human the human race period just looks wildly different. I mean- Yes. Yeah. That's insane.
1: <laughs> and there were artifacts- and how many times-
2: <laughs> Oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead, Eric.
1: I was going to say, and how many times did uh, our civilizations like reset and stuff like yeah. that? That is, is such an
2: excellent it? point. We know about 12, 12 13,000 years ago, there was more and more evidence coming out that our planet was hit by a massive comet. That it split up into fragments and, and hit in north america it hit over in europe and at that time on this planet there was a, a lot more ice caps and so these huge fragments of comet hitting these these ice these miles and miles of ice caps and instantly melting them that would cause the ocean levels to rapidly rise up and what would that lead to it would lead to massive flooding oh, yeah. yeah and so you get a lot of the legends of the floods from different cultures
1: like no yes. atlantis yes.
2: all that stuff yeah, exactly true. exactly yeah. so y-
0: I, I didn't even hadn't even thought about atlantis and yeah yeah that's crazy
2: yeah so yeah a, a good point eric i mean our how many times has civilization reset and are we going to be resetting again you know i mean all it takes is some major cataclysmic event or or you know our own ignorance through you know through war you know, now we have the capability mm. with with nuclear weapons to to end our civilization quite easily. Yeah. Jeez.
0: I don't even want to think about that. But no. it's like it's it's true. Like it's happened. What's what's to say the history wouldn't repeat itself? You know, again
2: especially if we don't learn from it, right?
0: Dang. (laughs) It's kind of a dark (laughs) dark a dark thought to to end or not end on, but yeah. Um I kind of don't want to end on that. Um but oh the other the one thing to the dino uh, the dinosaur figurines. Yes. I I know that you had also mentioned in your book. Uh was I was intrigued by that. Okay.
2: There's a there's a town um in Mexico called Aqua Acambaro. And I had a good friend. Unfortunately, he passed about eight years ago. But uh, when I was over in Mexico, he lived there. His name was Dr. Charles Spurgeon. He was a really interesting, cool guy. He was a theologian. He was a ufologist, just a really fascinating uh, fascinating man. He took me to this uh, town of uh, Acambaro, and they have a museum there of filled with these dinosaur figurines. And the interesting story of these goes back into the 1940s. There was a German immigrant who lived in that area. His name's Waldemar Julesrud, and he was an amateur archaeologist and very fascinated with ancient cultures. And one day he was out horseback riding, and he happened to look down on the ground, and he saw something kind of sticking up out of the ground. And he got off of his horse and pulled it out of the ground, and it was this really unusual, almost like a ceramic figurine of like a reptilian you know look like a dinosaur and so he started digging these things up and he hired some of the local workers to dig these things up and they uncovered thousands and thousands of these unusual artifacts that look like di- some of them look like dinosaurs uh they had looked like um uh egyptian sarcophaguses uh one looked like an ancient sumerian like a like a, a priest. Uh, just really unusual. Some of them look alien-like. Some of them have like elongated skulls, just very unusual. And Jules Rudd believed that these were ancient artifacts, that they were very old. And he was so obsessed with these things that he his, his house was filled up with them. He had so many, he had them in all of his rooms. He became obsessed. And it was his belief that it came from an ancient culture that was uh, possibly connected to Atlantis or some ancient civilization and that these figures were like a library it was like a library in the form of figurines that talked about the ancient the ancient past now conventional archaeologists look at that stuff and they go there's just no way like these have to be frauds because we know that the dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago when the asteroid hit and you know there was no way ancient man could have interacted or seen these dinosaurs so there's a big question you know there's a big question are these real are they authentic if they're real then how did these ancient peoples how were they able to depict them the way that they did that's time travel there you go time travel. Yeah, or maybe yeah. they were taking some <laughs> some really good drugs or something psychedelics and were able to yeah. to see it who knows but uh, it's ayahuasca. Kind of, ayahuasca yeah but it's very, well, very it's, fascinating
0: was, was it was a stoned ape theory that yeah that they ate mushrooms and like psychedelics Evolved. and they like gained all this information and stuff like, I mean, maybe yeah. someone was just sculpting visions that they were seeing or instead of, you know, pictures that you would see in a book, they just made sculptures of it. But I mean, yeah, so how, how, I don't know. I, I was, I've told Eric multiple times. I feel like one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was to try and like Find answers to things or or learn more, hoping that I would get some sort of answer. But it's like no, it's just more questions. It's more it's more <laughs> that, questions that you yeah, it's more questions end up with yeah yeah.
2: And have you heard of the Nazca mummies? No,
0: Nazca mummies. mummies. Yeah, the is it like. With like the Nazca lines, is that is it like related at all? It's in the same.
2: Yes, it's in the same area of Peru, and of course, the Nazca lines we know are the giant glyphs on the ground that the ancient peoples created, and there's different theories as to why they did that, Um, but they can only really be seen high above them. You know, then you could really make out what they are, which which led some people to believe that, okay, yeah, they had interactions with uh, extraterrestrials. And so they wanted they wanted them to come back. And so they were like, you know, creating these glyphs, you know, like, hey, we're down here, come back or in some way to honor them. Now, that may or may not be the case. But with the Nazca mummies, um, they were found in about 2010. Uh, some tomb robbers over in that area. They found some of these mummies and they were so unusual looking. Instead of turning them over to the black market and making a lot of money, they thought they were so important. They actually turned them over to an archaeologist that was over there, that was uh, from France, that was working over there. And these things are amazing. Some of them look reptilian. Uh, there's uh, some of them that have elongated skulls, three fingers on the hands, and three toes on the feet. Um, they've done. Um, Bones. Xenomorphs. yeah right they've done um, they've done bone <sighs> scans they've done x-rays on these things and they've been studying them uh, for a number of years and they have determined like these things aren't like they couldn't have taken bones these ancient peoples taken bones and like mixed them with animals and tried to create these things they can't figure it out they're like they didn't have, you know we're not showing any evidence of that and plus so, uh, some of the mummies the DNA doesn't match any known species on our planet. Right. Hmm. So what are these That's things? Are they are they extra? Ter- Do we have physical proof uh, of extraterrestrials or are these just a very ancient species, uh, reptilian type species that um, we just now discovered? I mean, are they from the Earth? Are they not from the Earth? Um, you know, one of them almost looks uh, it almost looks like a, if a dinosaur had evolved into a humanoid, it would look. It would look like this thing. And it, it triggered a memory when I was studying this. I remember I, I used to be into dinosaurs when I was a kid, and I had this book on dinosaurs. And I remember distinctly there was a picture in the book, and it was a, I think it was of a paleontologist out of Canada. He, his theory was that if the dinosaurs hadn't died off from the asteroid hitting the Earth, he said at least some of them would evolved into a, a similar uh, a humanoid type being, almost like a lizard man. And he had a statue created in the 1980s of what he thought one of these things would look like. It had big eyes. It had three long fingers on each hand and three long toes on each foot. And it had no um, you know, no, no, sexual organs at all. And this happens to look just like one of the Nazca mummies, almost a, a very similar.
0: Oh. Ugh. I was originally, went, before you kind of went into detail of what it looks like, I was imagining... Um toad from mario and luigi movie with yeah that's exactly what i was <laughs> like- thinking about too i went to mario
1: because because i think that's in the movie that's supposedly what happened this this big old asteroid came mm-hmm. and and hit oh really the earth yeah interesting it, it hits the earth and it it um creates the, <coughs> it creates the the kingdom and that's oh, wow. um koopa in in that movie is actually like an evolved uh uh, Dinosaur dinosaurs. into human? yeah. Oh, wow. and, and it talks about, I think, dinosaurs evolving into humanoids. Interesting. Uh, we have so some if predictive you, yeah. programming even... going on
2: here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is, this yeah. is, okay, but this is what I'm talking about, yeah. like stuff like that, where it's like you see it in movies and stuff. It's like, wait, but then you can actually trace it back to, you know, ancient, you know, stuff, and you're just like, wait, but that's supposed to not be real, right? Like, I thought this was that's crazy. That's yeah, hilarious. because if,
1: again, if you watch the movie, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the people, I think there are some like humans, but it, they're very, they're not, it's not a lot of them. And, and like I said, Koopa in King Koopa in, in the movie, uh, he looks like a human and everything, but, uh, his eyes every once in a while, I don't know if this it might, might have been after the de-evolution, uh, thing that he got hit with, but his eyes kind of did the sideways, mm-hmm.
0: um, like a blink like
1: blinking kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why what, ha- what happened to Toad was they, they, so he had this machine that was called the de it, it was supposed to de-evolve people or the people from there. So you would stick them in there and, uh, from being a human or a humanoid, you would get devolved back into your primitive uh state which was these reptiles so that's why they would get hit like that and they would turn into these like dinosaur looking creatures wow that is so, so interesting that, yeah.
0: The i, see, I this contributed is something those. yeah you did so, <laughs> this is this is why like i love doing the podcast with him too because it's like well he if one i feel like we're on the same page but two like i, I love that he always has some sort of uh like public pop culture reference to some of these things where it kind of like helps people understand who maybe are still like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, just go watch the movie. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So that is so the cool. And it's very entertaining. Video. That is so cool. Yeah.
2: Did, you see, did you see any of the alien movies?
1: I yes. saw the very first one and then I wanted to see the ones after, but I for sure I saw the, the first one. I don't know if it was Prometheus like- or... Or if Prometheus is the, the the second one, but I for sure saw the first yeah,
2: one. Yeah, Prometheus is the most recent one. And if you get into that oh, okay. story, it talks it basically, yeah. and I won't give any of it away, but if you watch that movie <laughs> and then you go read about the Anunnaki, the ancient Sumerian Anunnaki, you'll see mm. that that ha- that storyline kind of kind of follows the ancient Sumer- with the ancient Sumerians. Said about these these giant gods that that seeded their civilization, that actually seeded mankind, that intermixed their DNA with with the primitive hominids uh, on the planet to to create um, to create us. Wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, like, um, with uh, uh, one uh, I've I've brought it up a couple times, but one of my like favorite series of video games is it's called Assassin's Creed, and mm-hmm. the whole like premise of the game is that there's the or the assassin's order and the templar order and the templar order wants to like control the world yeah. you know with order and the assassins are against them because they want people to have their free will and they want the world to just you know you know do what you feel is right you know they don't want to control people they they're like anti-establishment basically but the whole there's like this whole little backstory, like where you're talking to, or you like run into these people called the Isu, which were this ancient civilization uh, that lived before uh, our people. And actually, I, if I'm not mistaken, they either created us, or, or I, I always forget exactly how it is. But it was, um, but they had us like controlled, so we were humans, and we were control- we were like a lesser race compared to them. So they had us like slaves. Mm-hmm. And they experimented on us. And then uh, Adam and Eve, who were the first uh, people in the Bible, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, They were the first ones to become kind of aware of what was going on. So they end up uh, escaping this place and they started to kind of open up other people's minds. And that's how we started to get away from the Isu. And then there was this whole, this cataclysmic event that happened that ended up destroying the Isu because uh they weren't able to like um there was like some of the isu were were like okay yeah we just need to let this happen and there was other isu that wanted them to uh protect themselves so that nothing dangerous would happen and the whole event i think was also caused by this one that was with her husband who was half human half isu or something so it was this whole thing and point is the whole civilization ended up being destroyed and there's like um, pockets of these things all over the world and in some of the most recent like games like one was uh, the very first one uh, where like this all started was in egypt and there's um these ancient uh isu uh, tombs and stuff in, inside like uh, the pyramids or in other areas of egypt and they were it kind of like there's these pieces of 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 technology called the the oh my god uh like there's one called the apple of eden which was uh supposedly how adam and eve kind of like became aware yes. of what was going on and then there was the scepter uh the, the spear of destiny was also a piece of this technology wow. uh and all these other things that kind of and if P, the thing is like only certain people can handle them because if you touch them or if you hold them it corrupts your mind and it it makes you become like uh you, you you can go insane, but if you're powerful enough to if you, if you have Real this bits. like yeah if you have this like blood from these ancient uh, Isu, you're, you're able to harness the power. And some of the Templars have these these uh, this DNA running through their bodies, um, and some of the, the assassins do as well. So they're able to to use those. And the whole premise of the thing is they're trying to grab these pieces of Eden, pieces of Eden. I think is what they're mm-hmm. called. Um, To be able to, um, again, the Templars want to use them to control the world, uh, and the Assassins are trying to, take them so that they can't be used by the templars
2: so i just love it i love how you 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 bring this the pop stuff in because i and just in what you've said it's kind of blowing my mind because i could i could unpack that from from my own research and what you've said and Mm -hmm. like you talk about the knights templar right so the knights Mm -hmm. templar um you know and if if I'm sure a lot of folks have heard of them, maybe some haven't, but they were an order of knights that were, they were like pre, they were like, um, they took the vows of like a priest, but yet they were, they were warriors. And supposedly they Mm -hmm. were guarding the, uh, the, the people that were traveling on pilgrimages to over to Europe to protect them. But really the backstory of them, not only were they doing that, they actually wanted to go into uh, the ancient Temple of Solomon, where the remains were, is where they had their headquarters, and they were at, there's tunnels underneath there, and they actually were after ancient artifacts and manuscripts. And some people believe that they found uh, many of these ancient holy relics. Some people believe the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, and these other uh, sacred documents, and they brought them from the Middle East into Europe, and they became very, very powerful in a short period of time and not only that but they set up the first banking institutions in the in the uh, the medieval world you could uh, they had uh, like their their fortresses all over the world and you could deposit your money in one of their locations and they would give you um they would give you a code or a cipher and then you could take that code to another one of their locations in another part of the world and and they would be able to decipher that and then you could basically get your money. So it was, yeah. So they set up some of the early banking systems. Now, now many people believe that the Templar order that came, that was developed from a group. They called them um, um, the Rex, uh, Rex Duis. And the Rex Duas means God, Kings of God kings. and Kings of mm-hmm. God. And there are these, there are these different families throughout Europe that believe that they have a direct bloodline to Jesus Christ that they have, they are in that bloodline, bloodline family. Right. And some people even go as far as saying that that's all connected to the Nephilim, the bloodline of the Nephilim, what they actually are there, the bloodline of the Nephilim, and that they would go after these ancient um, artifacts. You mentioned the spear of destiny, the spear of Destiny. It was allegedly the spear that was thrust into the side of Christ at the crucifixion.
0: Oh.
2: And Hitler actually became obsessed with finding that that spear. And because he thought if he possessed it, and he did get it when he uh, when he annexed Austria at the beginning of World War II, he took possession of this spear point, which was believed to be the spear of destiny. And he thought whoever held the spear point of destiny, they could control the world and he, it would give him power. It would give the Nazis power to, to basically defeat um, anybody that would come against them.
0: He got yeah. close. <laughs> That's crazy. i
1: mean and the, and that's that's the whole premise of and I, as a matter of fact i think there's a, a part in one of the games where you are in world war ii so i mean if they ever decided I, I don't think they would go that far into the future because a lot of times it has to deal with like swords mm-hmm. and and the hidden blades that they the assassins use are i mean it's more um those kinds of weapons i think the closest they got was the industrial revolution mm-hmm. Uh, like in in London but I mean I could definitely see how they could if that was the case with with Hitler them using that like him going after the spirit of destiny or even having the spirit of destiny and him being you know using it to like kind of control in this in the aspect of the game yeah but I mean that is like the kind of and I mean I'm sure they they know about these stories and and they you know they kind of create their own uh, story around this, this stuff that's out there, this information that's out there that exists and stuff. But I mean, I mean, it is very interesting. And I mean, the same thing with, with, um, with the Mario, you know, it, it, um, the Mario brothers, it's, I'm sure they, they have heard about, you know, all these, you know, all these things. And, and I don't know how recent the, the mummies are. How, how I think they were that was found. about
2: 2017 is when I first heard about them. Oh, yeah,
0: that's then, crazy. Well, no, that's they deep.
2: did. They did predict it because yeah. <laughs> that yeah. movie's yeah. from like the early 90s. It's just blowing me wow. away. I had no idea that yeah. when you're ta- talking about the yeah. Mario Brothers movie, I'd never seen that. But it's so fascinating to yeah. hear just these parallels, you know, that you're telling me mm-hmm. and connecting them with some of the research that I've done. It's uh, I've heard the term predictive programming, or you know, obviously some of these people read about i read about this stuff and, and it's just very interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's wild. I, I, and I love too, that there's probably all these kids actually learning about all these ancient mysteries and absolutely have like no idea that it's actually a thing. And that like the game that they're playing is like rooted in history. And they're just like, yeah, um, fantasy, whatever. Spear of Destiny, what is that? Because, I mean, even I didn't know what that was. Yeah, so. <laughs>
2: it's fascinating. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. supposedly yeah. it's in Austria in a museum. I saw it when I was when I was over there. It's a giant spear point, um, and it has um, a nail, and it's wired around the blade. And supposedly that's one of the nails of the crucifixion. Oh. Mm. One interesting thing when I was doing my research, uh, like I said, the skeletons from the cave supposedly disappeared. However, uh, one of the archaeologists wrote in his notes that the best skeleton, the best mummy, the largest one was given to a fraternal organization to be used in initiation (laughs) purposes. And that blew me away. I'm like, what? Like the public doesn't even get to see the skeletons, <laughs> but yet they give a giant skeleton to a fraternal organization to be used in initiation purposes. What is up with that, right? So I started yeah. digging digging into that. So I, I uh, contacted the historical museum in that area, and I said, what fraternal organizations were around at the time? And we're, we're talking early 1900s is when all these artifacts and skeletal mm. remains came out of the cave. And so they said, well, there were two fraternal organizations. One is still in existence today, and that's the the Freemason Lodge. Freemasons. The Freemason Lodge. Mm-hmm. And another one was called um, the Knights Pythias, which is another, I think, kind uh-huh. of an offshoot. But I researched both of those and discovered with the Freemasons that they do have a history of using human bones in initiation rights, although most of them will say, oh, no, we don't do that. Yeah. Recently in Australia, there were some lodges that were busted over there because um, there was renovation work being done, and some of the workers found human skulls amongst other bones there. And then the police were called, mm-hmm. and then they did they did testing on the bones, and they were determined to have been of aboriginal origin, you know, very, very old bones. But these lodges were using human remains in some of their some of their initiation rites.
1: I want to say that Martin talked to us about this as well. Something like that happening in Matamoros, where they ended up finding human remains. Because I don't remember if he said he was a a, a part of the Masons mm-hmm. in in the area. But that in one of the houses, they, they found it because, like you said, they they used uh, remains, uh, like skeletal remains mm-hmm. in their, you know, Initiation. I could be wrong. I'd have to go mm-hmm. back and listen to his episodes. But that sound, that
0: sounds, I feel sounds like right. he said
1: something along yeah. those lines as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that tracks with, with something else, you know, somebody else that's, mm-hmm. that's you know, told us about the, the,
2: the Masons. So this goes <laughs> down all kinds of rabbit holes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Alice
2: in Wonderland <laughs> stuff.
0: Really. I mean, but honestly, these are some of my favorite episodes where it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's educational. Like that's, well, it was fun too, but like I, there was so many topics that either I barely knew about, or I just like knew the name, but didn't know any other information And this. Yeah. This was super, super fascinating. And yeah, I am so glad that you reached out and part of me is already almost like, I feel like we just need to have you back on again. Awesome, <laughs> I'd love to come to, back to on. talk about. Could I, yeah, to I talk about Could I? Send you a copy. Could
2: I send you an autographed copy of my book to both of you guys?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And I'd love yeah, to come back on, and, and you know, we just scratched the surface, really. Uh, I know. Yeah. That's, we're, we're getting into the giants. You know, we got the we got the little yeah. people. We got there's a section in there I do on the ET races, the Greys, the reptilians. That's, yeah. Yeah
0: whole episode just on, on that, I feel like would, would make me very happy. Cause <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, I love, I love all that yeah, stuff. I would, so. I would love to come yeah. back
2: on. And, and right now I'm just doing a, a lot of promotion for my book um, because I'm a self-published author. And uh, so it's all up to me. I don't have a publishing company promoting myself. And I just discovered like, Hey, I like doing podcasts. I never, I've never done anything yeah. like this before. And I thought, these are so fun. And I get to meet just in- yeah. interesting people and, you know, learn things every, with every new episode, I'm learning stuff. Like I learned stuff about Mario movies that I would never, <laughs> ever in a hundred years think about, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. just, a, it's a lot of fun. So I would love to, uh, love to get you out a book as give me an address where to send that to. And I'll, and I'll get that out to you. And I'd love to be back on your show. If your audience is interested in purchasing my book, they can go to bookbaby.com. And go to the bookshop there and find it. Uh, it's called The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries. And again, my name is Floyd Wills. It's also on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble as well.
0: Great. Okay. And, and awesome. do you have any sort of like social media presence where I do. people can find yeah, you? I here? have a
2: website. It's um, theancientgiants.com. And I'm just starting a YouTube channel, and I've never done it done that before, so I'm like a ball lost in tall weeds. So I'm just starting to kind of put that together. So you can just type in Floyd Will's like Giants, anything like that, and you can find my channel. And if you want to subscribe, um, hopefully I will get be getting some more videos on there.
0: Yeah, perfect. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, is there is there anything else that you would like to promote or uh, anything you'd like to say as a as a send off before we oh, wrap up? Oh, I just here? Uh,
2: again, thank you, thank you so much for for having me on. It's been very fun, and I appreciate you and your audience. And like I said, I I, I learn something new with every every show that I do. So it's interesting how, especially Eric was bringing up a lot of the pop uh, pop culture stuff, and I'm just amazed like wait a minute yeah this is connected what spirit destiny like they <laughs> <Yeah>. have spirit <laughs> destiny game and oh templars yeah. and how wow yeah. yeah so that was that's been really fun i've just had a had a good time yeah well it thank was
1: you. awesome having you on yeah. and uh i mean i definitely learned a lot about topics that i was vaguely familiar with so it that for me is always fun because i know and and i've said this before michelle is always like she has she like, she like likes to really dive deep into a lot of stuff. So she has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. Or she has knowledge about a lot of things. Insightful and questions. I'm like, if it,
2: yeah, very insightful yes, questions. very much. Okay. Thank
1: the, you. This podcast survives because of her, let me tell you. If I ever had to do one of these on my own, it would probably be the most boring episode ever. So, right. I mean, I'm grateful that, you know. I always call her like the main host and I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm here. I'm the co-host. Yeah, it's
0: it's a good, um,
1: good
2: balance, good balance between
1: you yeah. two. <laughs>
0: thank you.
1: Um, but yeah, so it, it was, it's definitely great to have people on, you know, like you, where I just learn about different topics and uh, just, yeah, it, it's great. I'm And thank you for reaching out as yeah. well. So, yeah, that was interesting, guys. Uh, I definitely learned a lot about different subjects. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was very interesting.
0: And like I said, I mean, I, I know, well, he he did have some paranormal experiences to share with us in the beginning. Um, but that's why I kind of gave you the disclaimer that today's was going to be more of, like, ancient mysteries. Um and, and yeah, like I felt so stupid. I'm like, uh, I heard about it on Supernatural, but like literally <laughs> Supernatural, like really does, um, bring in a lot of like, uh, yeah, ancient history and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was. Cause I
1: think there's even a great Gregory in Supernatural now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, like the Watchers, the Nephilim, like mm. all, all of the, all of that, that he, for the most part, I'm pretty sure everything, Book of Enoch, like all. All of that, I'm pretty sure, is in Supernatural. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, that but, also makes me kind of wonder, like, I think it makes me question. Oh, fuck, dude. No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop. <laughs>
0: gonna go, here, I'll cut it. What were you going to say?
1: I think it makes me question. I mean, if you want to keep it, if you think it's good, not good, whatever. But I, it makes me question the Bible even more, though, because it's like, obviously, like, obviously, Greek mythology. Uh, Roman mythology, Norse, Norse mythology all came before Christianity. I mm-hmm. think some of it still existed around the same time, but like I mentioned the whole, you know, it's like the, the Nephilim co- or the them coming down. And then, you know, w- w- the w- it reminds me of the story of Prometheus from Greek mythology, mm. but oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously I don't, th- I, well, I I don't know. I'm not like a super, you know, I'm not super like into Greek mythology like that, or I don't know a lot about it. So I don't know if he ever like slept with women and stuff like that, but I definitely know he was like this h- h- huge, I mean, he was like this b- this man that he, he came to, he was a God that came da- down and shared all these, all this knowledge and gave the humans fire and stuff like that. So he was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I think he was like chained up somewhere to have like this vulture, this bird, like rip oh, out yeah, his yeah. intestines eat, every yeah, day or something. Yeah, him.
0: yeah. Yeah. That was his like hell basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause then he yeah. could regenerate and then it would just come yeah. back and eat all his like his eat him again. Uh so yeah, it reminded me of that in the sense that it was this, you know, these creature celestial creatures that came down and, you know, gave humans this knowledge that they weren't supposed to have. And, um, like I said, the, ne- and the, and the word like Nephilim or Nephilim, I don't know how it's pronounced in, in Norse mythology, but it's like this, um, one of the worlds in, uh, what's it called? Uh, cause there's nine, there's nine, nine realms. There's different oh, realms. Yeah. Uh, in Norse mythology and that's like one of the realms. So it's like hell is at the very bottom and then it's Niflheim Niflheim, and then I think it's Midgard or something like that, which is, I think earth. I, I, again, I'm not super into Norse mythology, so I'm not sure, but I know it's something along those lines. So, so so using words or similar, similar words, I think it it all just kind of like, is it all that something that came in and, and, you know, the Bible or like he, I think he even mentions it where, how is it that all these different, you know, religions mm-hmm. and all these things have these yeah. similar beings in them? Mm-hmm. Um, like there's you know. a
0: Jesus that was born around the winter time. That was like, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting.
0: Will we ever know? Probably not until we die. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe not even then.
1: But yeah, so we're also looking for the Super Mario movie. I was like, because I was like, Michelle needs to stream this movie right now so she can uh, see what I'm talking about and correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, But I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. Uh, you it. know, there was this yeah, big old I meteor. Mean, yeah, that hits and then it creates like this place where they can live and then everything else dies. And then that's how the rest of the world keeps evolving the way it does. But then down in this one little pocket under New York City you know, in the sewers, you know, there's this world of dinosaurs and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. So we were, I was trying to like find, okay, where can she watch it? And for some reason it's not allowed or it's not, not that it's not allowed, but it's not streamed anywhere in the U S right now. Um, and, uh, then I tried to find it on Amazon and I, I think you can buy it for like three something, but apparently somebody commented it about it being like copied from the VHS. So it's like super grainy and stuff. So, I don't even know if it's like a legit copy of the movie.
0: So if anyone so, has the movie or a copy of it, send it over. Yeah. Because I'm like, I now that we can't like find it anywhere, I'm like, did it even exist? Did we even watch it? Are they trying to erase uh, it from history?
1: Maybe because the new Super Mario came out.
0: Oh, I guess maybe on because I think I it literally know. just
1: came out. So they the might Mario be movie? like. Yeah, I think so because Did I, like it? I said, I was looking for it and uh, it was giving me a bunch of show times at the movie, so yeah. th- they might be just getting rid of it so that nobody's looking f- and finding it's that old b- one, and b- their
0: best Mario Brothers. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, I <sighs> mean a lot of people disagree, but I, it's really entertaining, and it's I love cool John Leguizamo. So
0: yeah, I know I feel like that's probably the only one of the only reasons, but also it's just like certain parts are burned into my brain from like childhood that it's like nostalgic too so
1: what's your name mario what's your last name mario what's your name luigi what's your last name mario uh, mario so you're mario mario and you're luigi mario or mario i don't know how they i don't remember how they yeah. say it yeah but yeah great movie Yep. awesome interview
0: if you watched it yeah yeah no that was that was a, a wonderful interview like i said a billion times um super glad we had him on and honestly like five minutes into our conversation i was like and he's gonna be on the show again so because <laughs> um, because i and and honestly I, I knew from the very beginning too i was like we're not even gonna this is gonna be one of those we didn't even scratch the surface kind of interviews and and sure enough yes it was so um yeah because i also didn't want to bring up the the ets because i knew that that was going to be an episode all in it, like in itself, and I didn't want to rush mm-hmm. it. So I was like, "Nah, So I'm just going to call it right now. We're going to have him on again um, at some point." And well, now that he's going to send us the books, I'll actually be able to, you know, read it and probably have even more questions. So yeah.
1: So we've got two books already: one from Craig and one from. Uh, we're going to have one from Floyd. So maybe we're going to have to do a new segment where we do like a little
0: <laughs> book club. Okay, but you actually need to read the books. I was going to say, I have more than one book from Craig. I've <laughs> read the others. Yeah.
1: Well, I just put up a book. Well, it's a shelf for like DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. But I'm sure- so you throw a book those... or two in
0: there? <laughs>
1: yeah. Why not? It'll, they'll yeah. fit. I, I mean, it's a huge one. So it's not like I have enough DVDs. I'm also going to throw my, my little, uh, uh, what's it called? Not action figures, Jackson's figurines- Houston. Yeah. Action figures. And my Batman and, and, and Spider-Man stuff in there. Just kind of fill up the shelf to have a place to put my stuff. But I'll throw some books in there too. Why not? All
0: right. But yeah, that'd be cool to do a little book club, read a book, and have the author on for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, guys. If you'd like to contact us, check out our website at webelievedyou.com. On the website, there's a tab where you can find all our social media. So make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook or Instagram. There's also a listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite podcast listening site, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five star rating on Apple, which helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And if you leave a review, we'll read it here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of designs on T-shirts, caps and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. There's also a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if y'all want to reach us, besides DMing us on social media, you can click on the contact us tab where you can write in telling us that you want to be interviewed. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want. You can also send in your stories for our stories of high strangeness. And if you send them in in Spanish, we can translate those for you. So don't be shy, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe.
0: Do you?